Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. This message for 2022. Thanks, Wayne. All good. Well, Happy New Year. Good to see you all. It's a little strange being in the same building again. Uh, we're still getting used to it, which is great. I know there's a lot of people um, that are away at the moment. There's people in South Australia, Tasmania, New South Wales, Queensland. I don't know if anyone went overseas at all. <clears throat> I know some other people who did venture overseas. Brave people. So, um, But 2022, it's a, like Ruth said before, beginning of a new year. And I don't know about the process you go through, but for me, when we get to the beginning of a new year, I do a a sort of a mini assessment, sort of uh, assess what I've done, what I've achieved, what I haven't achieved. And there are some external things, but they're less important than the internal things. And there's a question that I think is good for us all to ask, and that is simply this, am I a better person? As a result of the past year, am I a better person? And so that's not about the accrual of your assets, it's not about um, your advancement in your workplace, it's not about a whole bunch of... But internally, am I a better person? Because as we go through life, the idea is that we continue to learn, we continue to change, we continue to grow. And as we become better people, the people around us benefit. Uh, I've improved a lot over the years, I buy presents for my wife and they're getting better and better, is that right? I think so anyway. <laughs> um, but, but the question, the same question applies to you. Are you a better person? And it's, it's not meant to be judgmental in any way. It's meant to be a part of progress. You know, you want to be more loving. You want to be more kind. You want to be more generous. You, you, you want to be more discerning. You want to be more diplomatic. Uh, these are all things that can change the impact we have on those around about us for, for the positive. And I just want to encourage you to ask yourself the same question, am I a better person? This morning, I want to start by reading from Psalm 72. I'm going to read the first seven verses and then the 19th verse. It says this, give your love of justice to the King, O God, and righteousness to the King's Son. Help him judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. May the mountains yield prosperity for all and may the hills be fruitful. Help him to defend the poor, to rescue the children of the needy and to crush their oppressors. And may they fear you as long as the sun shines, as long as the moon remains in the sky. Yes, forever. May the king's rule be refreshing like the spring rain on a freshly cut grass like the showers that water the earth. May all the godly flourish during his reign. May there be abundant prosperity until the moon is no more. Praise his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And this is what's known as a messianic psalm. It's speaking of the future. It, uh, it, it in some ways refers to the reign of Christ, but in other ways, more specifically, it's meant to be about the reign of Solomon. There is some doubt about who the author is, and when I say doubt, some people will say Solomon wrote it as a prayer for his reign. Other people say David wrote it 
um, in preparation for his inauguration, and uh, meaning, you know, Solomon's inauguration. But the key thing is this, there are some powerful lessons or powerful prayers and statements within this psalm that I think are good for us to take a hold of. And I'm going to go through those verses, verse by verse, and, and, um, and just address some of those points. The first verse says this, Give your love of justice to the king, O God, and righteousness to the king's son. And so what we have here, whether it's David or whether it's Solomon, he's saying, God, you love justice. I want you somehow to give that same love of justice to Solomon as he reigns. Ruth, could you just pass me some water, please? Uh, and, and now, as it's a logical sort of thing, isn't it? Everyone wants justice. When you're in a position where you've been wronged, you quickly want justice. Is that right? And there are other times where we don't want justice. Is that true? It's definitely true for me. If I'm driving my car a little above the speed limit, which is very unusual, I'm not looking for justice. I'm looking for mercy. Someone pulls me over. I don't want justice. I want mercy. I want God, give them, give them grace, you know. <laughs> but the reality is, and, and, and it's a serious point, justice is a big issue in our society today. Now, justice, and I haven't got time today to talk about justice and its complexities, but the reality is we want justice for people. When when we are wronged, we are looking for justice. When something is going wrong for someone, we want justice. A lot of the movies that I watch focus on justice. They're usually where there's a hero who goes in and gets justice for the people and sets the world free or something like that. So they're usually action movies. Ruth is not so keen on action movies, I don't know why. She goes more for the girly, sort of lovey-dubby things, which, I mean, basically they're a waste of time. They're not real. (laughs) We need world savers, you know, Um, and going back in time, there was Rocky and Rambo and... um, Today, because we're contemporary, the Avengers somehow achieved the same thing. Um, But the reality is this, we want justice personally when we're in a circumstance where we want things resolved. We, We understand that. Someone wrongs you, you want someone to have power and make it right for you. I remember one time I was driving, Ruth and I were about to go for a three or four hour drive um, to go and see somebody. I was driving along Turak Road as it was and um, it's where, it's sort of two lanes but it squeezes up tight near Warrigal Road. Some of you will get changed from Burwood Highway to Turak Road and we're headed towards the city and I was driving a car and what happened is the car in front of me just swerved and so I had two choices. One was to hit the car, the other was to swerve off the road and drive into the what was an old service station, it was closed, there was no issue with that. The trouble is, what happened is, because I didn't want to hit that car, I swerved, drove in, up the gutter into the service station, I mean, no damage to the, to the panels of the car, but as I did that, um, I punctured the, I wrecked the tyres, the wheels, the rims, and unfortunately, you know, there was like $1,500 damage to the car and to the undercarriage, and the guy... The guy was very apologetic, realised that I diverted and all that, gave me, gave me all the details and, um, and promised to make good and all that sort of stuff. And that was all good until he left the scene. 
I contacted him a day or two later and said, I've got a quote, la, 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 la. Oh, no, that's not my fault. That's your fault. <laughs> and um, there was parts of me that wanted justice. <laughs> do, do, do you know, in the end, I had to pay for that myself. And I wanted justice. And it, it, it was a small thing in some ways, but I'm sure you've all had feelings or emotions like that. But the sort of justice that we're talking about here is far larger. Do you know, we hear of what happens in, say, Afghanistan. And we need to be people who pray for justice for people. We hear about what's happening in, in, in parts of Africa, especially in Nigeria with some of the terrorist activity there. And you want justice for people. And, and, and right at the start of Solomon's reign, he's... His prayer is really simple and he says, give your love of justice to the king, O God, and righteousness to the king's son. Can I encourage you to continue to work towards bringing justice to those around about you? You may not be able to change a nation, but you can weigh in on a circumstance that's important to you, important to the people around you. It may be in your workplace, it may be in your neighbourhood, it may be in your school. But justice, is real justice, true justice, is derived from God's character. And as followers of Christ, it, it, it's our responsibility to share the same love of justice that he has with those around about us and to weigh in on behalf of those who are in need. He goes on, he says, your righteousness and, you, you know, a commitment to righteousness is really, really important if we're to reflect his character. What's right and wrong does matter. And now I know, you know, we can talk about uh, situational ethics and the way the world has changed and what used to be right and wrong is no longer as clear as it used to be. But in a biblical sense, it is. In a biblical sense, the Bible hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. Right and wrong remain the same. And, 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 you know, as followers of Christ, what we need to be is those who stand up for right and stand against wrong. But to do that, we also need to, it's funny how many people stand up for rights as opposed to right, and yet don't appear to practice right themselves when it comes to their own personal matters. You you know, what we need to do is practice right and wrong in our own lives, and then let the right and wrong approach that we have emanate out from us on behalf of those around about us. It's a challenging thing in many ways, but it's, our attention to righteousness remains important. Can I say this? You know, you can get away with wrong. The trouble is, um, in the long run, you don't get away with it. What, that, what, what I'm saying there is your conscience continues to work against you when you continue to do wrong. I think of some of the actions and activity of people and and I think, how do, they, how do they live with the wrong that they've done? Surely it eats away at the peace in their souls. When you're doing something wrong, your conscience comes in and brings a level of conviction. And we know in Romans it speaks about our conscience being uh, seared as with a hot iron. In other words, our, our ability to discern right and wrong uh, decreases. But it, it, that's, in a, that's in a macro sense, in a micro sense, we still know that murder is murder, that stealing is stealing. And there might be blurry lines on the, on the outside edges, but on the, at the core, 
We, need, we live with right and wrong. We live with the consequences of right and wrong. And, and as we live right, we find peace for our souls. And uh, here in this psalm, the king is, implor- is asking God that he not only be able to exercise justice on behalf of the people, but that he live in a way that is right and righteous. Verse 2 says this, Help him to judge your people in the right way. Let the poor always be treated fairly. You know, when we think about judgment, obviously in a, in a court of law, there's a judge who makes the determination on a case that's presented to him. And we know that Jesus spoke about judging, and we ought not to judge unless we ourselves are judged by the same criteria. But the reality is this, when you walk into a room, you make a judgment about the people around about you. Uh, Your attention to them is determined by your judgment of them. Someone who's acting outrageously might trigger a response in you that will adjust the way you think about them or the way you approach or choose not to approach them. And I suppose in this particular circumstance, what we need to do is ensure that that we judge people fairly. That when we see someone, we take into account that no one is perfect, including ourselves. That when we see somebody, we give them credit that they may not deserve. In other words, we ought to exercise grace knowing that we ourselves have received grace. And we ought to do our very best to reach out to them in the hope that somehow or some way our efforts will enable us to embrace them and to nurture them on in the walk that they've chosen to walk in. Now, there'll be people in particular and that, that, that you see, and, you know, I'm not endowed with a great lot of mercy, um, some of you already know that. But, but there are people that you see and sometimes it's not mercy, but it's, a, it, it's, it's a justice that they require. Do you know, all of us have seen people, homeless people, whether in the city here or in other cities of the world. And those homeless people are, when I say they're poor, they're poor in spirit at, very, at the very least. Some of them are not actually on the street because they're poor. They could be poor in their mental health. They could be poor in their relational health. They might be uh, poor in their understanding of the world around about them. There's a reason that they're there. And the way we view those people is important to them and it's important to us. And, and the king here, whether Solomon's praying this for himself or whether David is praying it for his son... What we need to ensure that our judgment is, is, is not a barrier to helping those who are in need and especially those who are poor. Obviously, in the long run, God expects us to exercise grace and love and mercy to those who are around about us who are in need. Let's ensure that our judgment doesn't create a barrier to, to doing what it is that God wants us to do. You know, who are the poor? Is it only the person who lacks resources? Is it only the homeless person? Maybe the poor person is the, the person who lives next door to you, who's got a car that's better than yours, a house that's bigger than yours, but whose relational life is, is somehow disintegrated. 
The person is poor in an area of their life that we can minister to. So again, a reminder, let's ensure that our judgment doesn't condemn people, but gives us an opportunity to to meet them and to mix with them. Uh, The third verse says this, may the mountains yield prosperity for all and may the hills be fruitful. And what Solomon or what David or Solomon are praying here is that prosperity, the prosperity over that which they are exercising authority would extend beyond the realm of their selfish needs. It's sort of like saying, I want, I want rain to fall on my crops, but I don't want it to fall just on my crops. I want it to fall on my neighbor's crops and the neighbor's neighbor's crops. I, I, I want people to experience the blessing of God, both those within my realm, but those outside my realm. You know, um, obviously as parents, Ruth and I, we want to see our kids do well. We, we want them to experience life and its fullness. And, and let me just you know, again, redefine prosperity for you. Prosperity isn't just about money. Prosperity is about wellness in life. It's about experiencing health and peace and joy. It's it's about finding fulfillment in life. It's about contentment. There's there's so much more to prosperity than whether you've got $5 in the bank or $50 in the bank. But, you know, as parents, what we want is for our family to do well. But our desire for them to prosper doesn't preclude us from desiring other people to prosper as well. As a matter of fact, we want everyone to do well. We want somehow, some way, we want the people that we connect with, whether we, it's a result of direct, um, uh, direct teaching or whether it's just simply in relationship, we want people to do well. We want them to experience the best of life and, and the motive for that or the motivation for that comes from John 10.10, 10, which I quote time and time again. Jesus come to give us an abundant life and it's, a, it's eternal life. The Greek word is zoe, which, which means eternal life, in, in other words, life after this life, but also an abundant life here and now. And an abundant life here and now is one that's filled with meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And, and you know, the king, if you like, he is praying here and he wants that, he wants the hills or the mountains to experience prosperity so that everyone can benefit. And that ought to be our mind, mindset as well, as well. Fruitfulness that blesses all around us. You're a hill, if I can put it this way. You're a hill of fruitfulness. That's what you're supposed to be. You know, we talk about generosity. Why do we talk about generosity? Because we're meant to be like, we're meant to be like fruit trees that give fruit in season and out of season. And the beneficiary is not the tree, the beneficiary are those who partake of the fruit. In other words, there are others around you who partake of the good fruit that you exhibit in your life. And again, we could spend more time on that some other time. Let me keep going. Verse 4 says this, um, help him to defend the poor and to rescue the children of the needy and to crush their oppressors. Let's always remember there are people who are doing better than us, but there are a lot of people that are not doing as well as us. And we need to always position ourselves to help those who are doing less well, especially. Defend the poor. And where, where you have the power to right an injustice, use the power that you have to do that. Um, but ensure 
that you exercise wisdom and discernment in the process. Verse 5 says this, May they fear you as long as the sun shines, as long as the moon remains in the sky. Yes, forever. You know, the fear of God produces good out of our lives. And when we talk about the fear of God, and you've probably heard it before, this is not the sort of fear that produces trembling in us, but it's the sort of fear that produces respect. I fear God. And what I mean by that is I respect Him, I honour Him, I, I, I don't in any way debase Him. I live my life understanding His potential. Um, what I mean by that is, you know, He's all-powerful, He's, he's all-knowing. He is able to work on my behalf. He's able to work against me if he chooses. I live my life respecting him is another good word for fear. And, and, and you know what the king here is saying is let's, let's all grow in our fear of God so that we live appropriately in response to him and who he is and so that we can be who we ought to be for those around about us. Verse 4 says, uh, as we, uh, verse, where am I up to? Verse 5. Mate, May they fear you as long as the sun shines, as long as the moon remains in the sky, yes, forever. Verse 6 says this, May the king's rule be refreshing like spring rain on freshly cut grass, like showers that water the earth. I don't know about you, but yesterday and the day before, I was looking for a cool breeze. It's, uh, I was, especially on Friday, I was outside working uh, in the sun and it was hot and, 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 you know, I don't like people squirting me with a hose normally, but I'd have gladly, gladly accepted someone squirting me with a hose. I was working in some dirt and dust, and it's like, I just, oh, that would feel so good. The reality is this. God wants to sprinkle blessing on you. I, I, I love it. It's just like, you know, the smell of fresh-cut grass. I don't know whether, whether he had a, you know, a Victor lawn. How, how, what did fresh cut grass smell like back then. It was, think about that, it was all hand cut, wasn't it? Now many of you would use a lawnmower to mow your lawns or whatever, but back then they would have probably used some sort of scythe, you know what a scythe is? It's like the thing that the Grim Reaper used to have many years ago, you know, and they would, they'd somehow swing it round and cut the grass and, and the interesting thing when you, when you use a lawnmower you know, ultimately you do get the smell of fresh cut grass, but with a scythe you get it immediately that you cut because you're, you're cutting above the, the, the place where the smell is going to come from and you'd be smelling the fresh cut grass as you're going through. Now somehow, some way, what, what the king's saying here is, I want those under my influence to be refreshed. I want them to get the pleasure of the smell of fresh cut grass. I want them to get the pleasure of a spring rain on a, on a hot day. And you know, each of us, whether we realize it or not, we are influencers. We have the power to influence those around about us. I'm not saying that, that you're, um, you're in control or you're leading, but I am saying you're an influencer. You know, simply by knocking on their neighbor's door and expressing words of kindness or gentleness or generosity, giving them a gift, it, it, it's, a, it's a way of influencing. And whether we realise it or not, we all have the power to influence. And, and ideally, what we would like is for those around about us to be impacted by our influence. We have a, a neighbour 
And Ruth would often cook and, um, and you know, slices, jellies, it's just part of the problem. <clears throat> and, um, and we, in the, in the hope that I don't get to them first, uh, she would package them up and, and then give them to one of our neighbours, or several of the neighbours, but one particular man lives by himself, an older man, he said, it seems like this giving is all one way all the time, you know, and it was just him expressing his appreciation. Clearly, he didn't cook. Um, and, and, and so just the other day, we went home, but he came back to our house with some gingerbread that he said his daughter had made, and he'd just like to share some of, some of that with us. And, and so when it comes to influence, influence is, is such a simple thing to achieve. You're not doing it to manipulate, but to share, to care, to love. And the king is saying, you know, I want my influence to be like the smell of fresh cut grass. And that might not be attractive to you if you've got hay fever. Um, but, but the reality is this, you and I each have the power to influence. And just like the king is saying or praying, we can make a difference to those around about us. Verse 6 says, may the king's uh, rule be refreshing like spring rain on, a freshly, on the freshly cut grass, like showers that water the heaven. Verse 7, may all the godly flourish during his reign and may there be abundant prosperity until the moon is no more. I don't need to explain that, but what I do want to help you understand is this, God has a purpose and plan for your life. And you know, I say this a lot and the reality is people probably still question whether that's true. And I understand that, there, and there are times and seasons where it seems more obvious what God is doing than at other times. There are times where you feel like you're just going through the motions. But I want to remind you that there's a God who loves you, a God who cares for you, a God who's watching over you. The Bible is clear that His eyes, if you like, follow after us, helping, helping us to do what it is that He's called us to do. And God loves you just as you are. You don't need to become better for him to love you more. As a matter of fact, it's not possible for him to love you more. And so your behavior is really irrelevant when it comes to God's love. But your response to him is important. It's important to you and it's important to him. I want to finish by reading to you verse 19. And, and Mon asked me for a, a, a sign. And I, is there a certain point? So that is the certain point, Mon, just so you know. I just want to make it really clear. And verse 19 is, is simply this. Praise his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. When you express thanks to somebody, of course they receive some benefit, but you receive even more. And we talk about thanksgiving and it, it always seems that the person on the receiving end of positive words or actions is the beneficiary. I'd like to suggest to you that, you know, as you become someone who constantly expresses gratefulness, it changes you internally. You become a different person. And the focus becomes less the, the impact on the other person and more the need for you to express who you really are. You know, as this verse finishes, it just praise God, thank God for all he's done, for all he's doing, for all he's going to do. And if there's a theme that I want you to think of through 
2022. Right where I started, am I a better person? Am I going to be a better person this year? If so, how? By becoming more grateful. As I become more grateful, others will benefit. Let me pray. Will you stand together with me this morning? Father, we acknowledge you as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And what we've read part of this psalm this morning and understood either David's intention for his son as he became king or Solomon's intention as he became king, we can learn lessons for ourselves, the way we're to conduct ourselves in the world in which we live and the challenges which we face. And my prayer today, Father, above all else, is that at the end of 2022, I'll be able to answer in the affirmative to that question, am I a better person? I start this year by praying, Father, help me to become more grateful. Help me to become more thankful. Help me to become more caring, more loving. Help me to use the influence I have with others to bless them and to prosper them. Father, we want to exalt your name. We want to glorify your name. And I know that we do that primarily through our actions, not just our words. But give us wisdom and discernment to use both both our actions in our day-to-day lives and our words with the people that we mix with so that your name is exalted, you're lifted up, your glory never, ever ends. Father, I thank you for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.